Well, as this Advent season speeds along to, to, towards its appointed end, um, we have been in the midst of a series, an Advent series, that I've been preaching entitled The Addresses of the Advent Angels, in which we've been basically exploring and considering the messages that they brought concerning the coming of the Christ and the meanings they had then and the impact they had upon those who received those messages from the angels and the message and the content and the power and the blessing that it still has for those who believe to this day. Our reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Verses 8 through 20 for our scripture reading this morning. Again, hear this, the word of the Lord, with deep appreciation. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angel went away from them and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, and seen as it had been told to them. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this, the word of the Lord, will remain forever. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we do ask that you would bless your word that we have read, for it speaks of a truth that is still beyond our comprehension Lord, but a truth that changes and makes a difference in everything for those who receive it and receive him whom you sent. Father, help us now and give us light and understanding and teach us more about the reason for this season and its true joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Almost every day, whether you pick up a newspaper or whether you surf the net or you flip on your favorite, uh, quote, news uh, program on the cable or the box or whatever you're viewing it on, 
uh, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or Fox or something else. It doesn't really matter because it's all about, most of the time, the same stuff. Bad news. Bad news. All kind of things are going wrong. It's overwhelmingly usually bad news. It's about corruption. It's about fraud. It's about deceit. It's about death. It's about downturn. And on and on and on it goes. That's the only way to keep us coming back. If, if they were saying uh, uh, things that were just benign or really, really uh, joyful, we wouldn't, we wouldn't tune in too long, I'm afraid. But you know, we really do need good news, don't we? And we, though, live in a bad news time. We live in an age that is filled with bad news. But what if, what if somehow something happened that would forever change how we view all kind of news, good, bad, or indifferent? What if something so radical happened that was truly what we could call genuinely good news. And not just good news for a season or for a time, but good news always and forever. What if such news came? What if there really was good news that could impact and change and give perspective to all the bad news that is out there and in here in our hearts? Because it's not all just out there. A lot of the bad news, a lot of the problem is inside. There's a professor that I used to listen to, a teacher at Covenant College used to say, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. It's not just out there. It's inside you and me. But what if something had happened that could change that, could temper that, could transcend that and get beyond that? to something glorious and joyful beyond all measure. Well, that's exactly what we read in the scripture reading this morning. Such a story, such a narrative, such an event that happened 2,000 years ago in the coming and the foretelling of the Christ one through the angels. We're going to once again, looking at these angel messengers, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the address to the shepherds. That's who the messengers were sent to bring a message from God to these lowly shepherds. So the address to the shepherds, and then secondly, what was the address about? What was the, tr- the subject matter? What was it all about? And the address to the shepherds was joy. Those are our two points that we'll consider today. Let's look at the first one. Get to know these shepherds a little better and what happened. And again, we gloss over this. We've read it so many times. We hear it read and we just, it's kind of like doing the Apostles' Creed. We just don't even think about it. We know it so well, or a lot of us do. And so it's, it's like that. But let's think about and kind of break this story down a little more and see what this was like and get a sense of what happened that night on the plains of Bethlehem. The shepherds of Jesus' day, of course, were 
not exactly what you would call um, the, uh, the upper crust of society. Uh, they were considered the dregs of society. Uh, they were not upwardly mobile people. Uh, they weren't the ones that were going to make the headlines. Uh, they were rather despised and disdained and hopefully kept out uh, of town uh, where they belonged, out in their rough and, and, and wild places, tending their sheep. Uh, and that night, when the angels came to them and appeared to them, as we read, they were probably just engaged in their normal, everyday, mundane tasks. Things like uh, chasing strays down, uh, just trying to keep warm by the fire at night, uh, or removing thorns, perhaps, from the hooves or from the coat of the lambs and the sheep and the goats or whatever they were tending. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, it's this radiant being of which they had never seen anything like before. And consequent with that, around them becomes this brilliant, dazzling glow, this unearthly glow all around them. Now, what if that had happened to you? You think you would have said, hmm, that's curious. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And they didn't either. The, the ESV and the NIV just doesn't quite catch it, the immediacy of this happening. How suddenly it happened. So, uh, the, the King James does a better job, lo, <laughs> and an angel of the Lord. Uh, but what does lo mean? Uh, maybe we could get more, modernize it with something from Chef Emerald. Bam! You know, that, now that, that's, you know that, that gets you a little bit of your attention. The suddenness of which this came, this angel came upon them. And then the, I love the way the King James says it. And they were sore afraid. You know what sore afraid means? Flat scared. <laughs> Out of your mind. Terrified. That's what it means. <laughs> this was no welcome sight for those shepherds. Not at first. Think about the sights and the sounds that the shepherds saw that Judean night. Look again. Listen again as I read verses 10 and 10. Through 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The first words of assurance that they hear from this angel, this lead angel that's speaking to them, were, were very, very necessary. And he starts out with, don't be afraid. That means if we saw them, we would have that first propensity and tendency to be terrified also. Whatever they are like, we don't know, but they're glorious beings. And they are imposing and awe-inspiring. And yet, the words, assuring words come, fear not. <laughs> After all, they hadn't heard a word from God in what? 400 years. God had not spoken in any extraordinary way to his people. And now these shepherds are the, receiving this visit from this angel and after the angel's astonishing announcement 
of this greatest news the world had ever heard or ever will hear. The rest of the angels just basically appear, burst into the human dimension, and the whole place around them is surrounded by these glorious angelic beings. And they were singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace with whom those with whom his favor are upon whom his favor rests. That was the first Christmas carol. Do you know that? <laughs> that was the first Christmas carol ever sung. It was sung by, by angels. <laughs> Truly, to borrow a phrase from a, an old uh, classic movie, the hills were alive with the sound of music that night, right? They really were. Uh, and and uh, so glory to God. And, and here's the amazing thing. They're not only saying glory to God, which is the right place to start and always where we must start and end, but there's something good about it for us. There's something wonderful for us. Glory, yes, to God, but somehow it's going to be a way his glory is going to be magnified by doing something for us in our helplessness and lostness. He's going to bring Peace, where there was no peace before between God and man. Think about how you contrast that to the Pax Romana. You know what the Pax Romana was? The, the Roman peace. The Pax Romana was called the Roman peace. But you know what it was? It was basically an iron fist in your teeth saying, look, you will do what we say, when we say, and how we say, or we're going to punch your lights out. We're going to break your teeth and your mouth and we're going to stomp on you and we're going to drink your blood from our boot. That's what we're going to do. That's what the Roman peace was. Oh, yeah, it was peace as long as you went along with their terms. But it was really a threat and it was a way of keeping things secure. But this peace is not like that. Here we find the fulfillment of an ancient prophecies. What an irony! What an irony! Who is coming declaring peace? It is an angelic, battle-ready army of beings. And yet, they're a battle army. They're a host. He's called, God is the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. And yet, he sends those angel armies to not pronounce threat or warning, or judgment, or destruction, but peace. He comes announcing peace. <laughs> what incredible irony. And think again about the message, and the then and the, and the now. Before, because of our sin, over and over and again, God had warned that his judgment could not be escaped. Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace for the wicked, says God. There is no peace. And yet now, because of what is about to happen, Paul says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No peace possible until Jesus comes now. Peace can be known and a joy that is unlike anything ever imagined. Those shell shock shepherds, they looked at one another and they went immediately to find the babe 
in the manger. And they did. And they did their part. And then they went out, bounding through the hills, telling the story, rejoicing over the good news they had heard and spreading it and telling it to others. Now, that's the news. That's the message, the address to the shepherds. But what's this address all about? The message delivered by the angels was about great joy, great, profound, lasting, never-ending joy. What's that involve? How do you see that? Well, it's basically in that text that I read, verses 10 through 12 again, unfold. Let's just unpack it a little bit further. Good news, it starts with. I bring you, the angel said, good news. Good news where? From God. (laughs) From God. Not bad news. I'm coming to bring you good news. You see, the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. It's not God coming to us and saying, now listen, you need to do this and make sure you do that. And if you don't do it, I'm coming because I'm keeping a list and I'm, you know, no, it's not good advice. Or listen, if you need to do this better and if you try really hard, no, it's not that. It's not good advice. It's good news. Because why is it good news? It's news about what God has done, not instruction about what you and me should do. Now, is there instruction in this book about what we should do? Absolutely. Old Testament and New, plenty of it. But that's not about how we find peace with God. God is saying in order to have peace, I'm going to take care of the whole arrangement. It's all going to be on me and what I do through my son. And that's what's going to secure peace with God. Then as my children, you'll want to, you'll want to live like your father who loves you. you want to honor him. But you see, it's not, it's not coming to give good advice. It's coming to declare what God has already done and will do in his son. And who's it to? It's to all people. What does that mean? Does that mean every single person without except? No. It's all kinds of people. It's saying not just for the Jews. The Jews seem to have the, the seed in, that was one people that were holding all of the glory of what God planned to do. But that was just like a seed that was going to sprout and flower into the whole world. That's what its intention always was. It often got off course in the Old Testament. But that was what God had promised and one day would do. And it would be not only good news for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. That means everyone, every place, in every continent, in every time, in every age, the gospel of good news needs to be carried there. And the sign was what? You'd find a baby wrapped in a manger swaddling cloths or strips of rags lying in a manger. And again, that's not a wooden manger. Uh, I like our wooden manger. Notice it's empty right now. But it didn't look like that. It wasn't a wooden manger. It was carved stone. Probably uh, if you see, go over there in in Israel, you can see the mangers. They're all over the place, but they're just feed troughs. But they're they're cut from stone. Most of them are cut from stone. Uh, So, they last, and they're still here, and they've been here 2,000 years, and they're still around all over the place there. You can find them and see them. But that's where the Lord Jesus was laid. You see, the shepherds, imagine this. Imagine if they were going to see the king, 
the one who would be born king. And yet these shepherds come and find Jesus in a stable, a cave, a place to keep animals, in a feed trough, wrapped in rags. You know what that makes him to them? Accessible, approachable. That's what God did in Jesus Christ in the incarnation. He came that way so the shepherds would not be frightened anymore. So that they would know that God has come in such a way that he can now be approached. For years in the Old Testament, there were barriers in so many ways. Couldn't even come near the mountain of Sinai. Even to t- it, Animals were killed. People were killed for breaking and violating. But now that way has been opened through Jesus Christ coming. That's the message. And God now has become one of us in order to show and accomplish everything that we might have true and lasting joy. In Jesus, God has made himself approachable rather than distant and beyond and far off and other. Oh, he still is holy other, but he is now Emmanuel, as we sang today in a number of the songs. And, it, and then it gets really personal. It says next, what? Born to you. Born to you and to me. Born to you. That's personal application. That message that was sent was personal. It wasn't just generalized. It was to you. You can take this. You can believe it. You can receive it for yourself is the message. You've heard me say before, but I love the fact that Martin Luther said, The gospel, if you want to understand what the Bible is all about, if you want to understand the heart of its message, you have to understand that the gospel is defined. It is defined in personal pronouns. You, me, you, me. Think of Galatians 2.20. Paul says what? For I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's not just saying he gave himself for the world. Well, the Bible does say that in other places. But Paul was getting the heart of the gospel. It's come for me. It's not just a savior. And I remember as a young Teenage boy, when I first understood and read that passage on my first true Christmas, when I knew why for the first time in my life Jesus had come, and I read that when I realized unto you is born this day, Joe Grider, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Tears streamed down my face of joy because he had come, not just generally, he had come for me. And he comes for anyone and everyone who will believe and trust in him. And gives you that joy which can vanish never. A savior who is Christ the Lord. He's a savior. He meets all the needs that are. He has all the credentials. I love this anonymous quote. Listen, someone said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. 
If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent a savior. And praise God he did. Praise God he did. The world needs saving and the only one up to it is God. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. Only, only God. And so it's good news for all, for you, a Savior, Christ the Lord. That's the message. And it spells one thing. J-O-Y, joy. It spells joy. I love, the, love this hymn, all, all My Heart. This night rejoices. Uh, we often, choir sings it uh, during Advent, sometimes in, in, the, in the Christmas Eve service. I don't think we're singing it this year. But I love the lines. Just listen to these, the, the joy in these lines. It, in verse 1 and 3, it says, All my heart this night rejoices as I hear far and near sweetest angel voices. It's imagining this night. Christ is born. Their choirs are singing till the air everywhere now with joy is ringing. It's, it's like a ring bell going off in the world. And then he in verse 3, he says, Dearest Lord, thee will I cherish. Though my breath fail in death, yet I shall not perish, but with thee abide forever, there on high, in that joy that can vanish never. It's a joy that cannot be ended for the believer in Christ. If you really know Jesus today, if he is your Savior, it is a joy that can take you through whatever comes, whatever may, if that is really where your trust is. Jesus, because whatever happens to you, whatever befalls you, whatever you lose here, and one day it will be your own life and mine, but it will not be lost because the one who is the resurrection and the life has come and has come into this world and he's brought the light of truth and he has lives forever to bring home and the promises that he will bring all his children to into his lasting joy, the joy of his father that he promised. You see, that was the address of the angels to the shepherds and what it was all about. That message of joy to the world. We're going to sing that in just a few moments. That message of joy to the world should never grow old in us. But it does, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It does. We sing it every year. We know we're supposed to have it. But it's, it, it's, it's so easy to lose that or to get lost in all the cacophony and the confusion of the culture and the season around us. And that's why we have to find ways to say that and remind ourselves of that joy and what difference it makes and how it will change even if everything else doesn't go the way we expect. That cannot take away. That's why Christians can go through things that the world has no ability to go through because this is true. I have to, I have to stoke the fires of this in me though and so do you. Every Advent, every Christmas, I am out always looking for a new song, a new way, a new poem, a new writing, a new meditation that is going to come at this same old glorious, wonderful, joyful truth, but it's going to somehow penetrate my stony heart in a new way. And this year, what God provided, my son sent me a, a MP3 
of Oh Hellos, uh, their Christmas. All the bells on earth shall ring. It's a combination of joy to the world and I saw three ships thrown together in a glorious medley of music and kind of a folksy uh, feel to it and instruments and banjo and whatever. But it absolutely has once again stoke the joy of what this season means and what Christ's coming means. But we have to do something. We just can't sit there and we have to keep finding a way to remind ourselves the gospel is true. The good news is real. Jesus has come and he will come again. And we can rejoice. You see, this year, don't settle for a merry little Christmas. Please. Don't do that. Instead, let's look beyond all the glitzy schmaltziness of our culture's celebration and see the grand story behind Christmas and prepare ourselves to celebrate the bedrock truth of our faith that Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And that joy will banish never because This is truer than any truth you and I will ever know. May these truths free us to live and to love better with sacrifice and ever-increasing joy. A very amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, As we sing joy to the world now, Lord, speak to us today that this joy can never be banished because of what Jesus has done, what you've done through your son for those of us who believe.